Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dano, and back from his random holiday, it's Pato. Welcome, Pato. Uh, yes, thank you, Dano. Hello, listeners. Uh, good to be back as we dive into the midfielders, and this will be a lengthy discussion because let's talk about. Yeah, let's just get straight into the Primo's Keepers section. Now, we're going to start with the obvious one, Marcus Bontempelli. Most people are trying to start him. He's fucking expensive. Um, but you can't go wrong with the Bont. The dude's so consistent. And like, if if you choose to fade him and hopefully get him cheaper, I understand because he can pump out scores of like 100, 110, and that won't justify the price tag. But at the same time, you, I feel like you, he's going to just pump out a 180 and you're going to be like, fuck me dead if you don't already have him. So prepare to have that happen to you. That's all I'm saying, Pato. Yeah, I agree. I I know people will certainly be worried about what happened with Laird last year, dropping a 50-odd in round one and then just obviously plummeting in price. But I feel like Bonton Pally is just a different beast. And and even when getting tagged, he still gets 100. And you add to that that he's a really reliable captain option um, where you'd probably get 120 from him more often than not. Um, I, I, think, I think you start him and you don't ask questions. Yeah, fair. Fair. Now... Christian Petrarch is our next one, Pato, and like he's six sixty-seven k. And last year, I had him. I picked him up as a second round selection, late second round selection in my draft league, and I could not figure out how he slipped so far. Man went to another level last year and just went ultra consistency. Um, obviously, with Clayton Oliver being out here, there, and everywhere, uh, but I, I think he'll back it up even when Oliver's in the side. Yeah, three scores in in the 95 region last year and everything else over 100. So kind of quietly had a really, really big year. Um, His back end of the year was tremendous after the bye and really put the Ds on his back. And I I can't see him not doing that again this year. Um, Could even be a bit of a POD. Um, However, the the bye situation kind of hurts him just because of that round six buy. So I think that's why he's not super popular. So I can see people not starting him. Uh, but obviously after that first buy, he's absolutely a trading option. But I wouldn't be starting him. Yeah, fair. I just want to quickly see what his um, price is. Sorry, not price. Ownership is. So at the moment he's at 22% and Barkas Bontepelli is at 36% there, Pato. So... Um, I just want to do a quick shout out because we we're just discussing him before the run sheet got put in. Clayton Oliver's still in two percent of teams right now. Uh, people are not giving a fuck about his preseason. No, that just must be all of Joel Smith's mates that have him in their team. Oh shit! Shit! Uh, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> Let's. We'll we'll go down in price order. Um, the next one is Rory Laird, who is someone that I'm very bullish on. This preseason um, is discounted. Uh, but still 653k. Um, his ownership's only 9%, Pato, and that baffles me. Absolutely baffles me. Why like are you starting Laird? Because he's my he's my M1 at the moment. Uh at this stage he's not in my team. However, I'm I've made a point of not tinkering with my team after every practice match. And 
I have been out of the loop a little bit because I did go on a bit of a, a basketball preseason tour interstate. So um, I, I haven't been keeping up with obviously watching games or anything like that. I've heard I've heard a lot of ex murmurings, but um, I think people are sleeping on lead. But at the same time, I think there's enough there for people to want to see how a midfield of him, Dawson, and Crouch look. Because um, you could make an argument that you could pick all three, um, but you could not make an argument that they all will affect their sco- each other's scoring too much um, to include any of them. Kind of like Brisbane last year, like Dunkley was great, but you saw Neil dropped off a little bit, and they're just sort of you know too many too many people taking from each other. But I mean, if if your worst case scenario with Laird is a one fifteen average, uh, I can't see that being a bad thing. Um, but worth noting. Um, Led's end of the year was actually really strong last year, and that was when Crouch got back into the team. Um, it was mm-hmm. actually Dawson that was the one that did drop off a little bit with Crouch coming in. So that that's a bit of an interesting statistic there. Yeah, good point out there, Pato. Um, leading into Zachy Merritt now um, at 650K, he's in currently in 8% of teams, 116.3 average. I feel that his teammate's probably a better option, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on his teammate, uh, who we'll talk about soon. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like 650K, there's better options. And that sounds weird, but it's what I'm sticking to. Yeah, I think I think you also have to point out that his first three games, so SNM play Hawthorne, Sydney, and St Kilda, who are traditionally very... Uh, defensive in terms of opposition midfielders like they they lock down a lot so i think that comes into things as well especially if you're going to pay 650k for zach Merritt. um i feel like this is an upgrade target after his buy if you really want him um even though he has a good buy like he doesn't have around five or six or whatever buy um doesn't have a buy until around 14 because he has the o-round buy but uh yeah, not for me to start Merritt. I think he's an upgrade target. Yep. Um, one that we didn't list, and I'm just going down the list anyway, Tom Liberatore, 4% of teams, went pig he's mode. There. Oh, is he? You put him down further. Yeah. That's what you do. Put him down <laughs> further. Oh, anyway, is it 4% of teams, 116 average last year, went absolute pig mode in this preseason game. Um, yeah. I... Good, good POD for me. Yeah, That's I awesome. like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we need to see some data first. Um, just about so Riley Sanders is one. Um, you've also got Jack McRae. Like we don't really know what that role is going to look like now. At, at this moment, it looks like Liver and Bont are going to be their two main guys. But it's Bevo we're talking about here. So, do you yeah. really are you ever really certain? Yeah. Yeah, but I like his POD. I don't have his ownership in front of me, but it would be pretty low, I would assume. Four percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone with seventeen percent ownership is Jordan Dawson, who you just spoke about before. I am avoiding. I'd rather go with Laird at a very, very, very similar price. Um, Main point being is it was his breakout last year. I want to see a bit more consistency, but at the same time, your point about Matty Crouch coming into the team actually turns me off him even more. Yes. Um, so I'm trying to find what round Matt Crouch came into the team. Um, but I know for the last six weeks or so, um, Dawson didn't score over 120. 
Um, so round 19 was when Matt Crouch came in. Um, and if we go to Jordan Dawson's stats, live Supercoach uh, podcasting here, ladies and gentlemen, um, <laughs> what did I say? Round 19? Yep. Yep. So round 18, um, Dawson had 126. And then from round 19, which is when Crouch came in, he went 115, 119, 89, 111, 118, 111. So not great numbers. Um and they also want to try a few younger guys through there, like Rochelle and Rankin and stuff like that. So something's got to give. And Dawson has shown that he's really good on a wing. He's really good at half back. Like I feel like Dawson is the one that may move around a little bit. We know he's really great at half back as well. I'm um, in terms of super coach, but if he's stuck on a wing, don't love it. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Uh, next one, Josh Dunkley, six forty four k, five percent ownership. I feel like he's the forgotten dude now because he doesn't have forward status, but man, still got 115.2 average last year, Pato. Like, yeah, the thing that sucks about uh, Dunkley is he's got a round two buy, which is just fucking awful um, for obvious reasons. So that is tricky, um, but I feel like Dunkley's absolutely the forgotten one. Um, his last four games last year were not good, though. He went 77, 62, 99, and 106 um, before the finals. Uh, I think he was nursing an injury, though. On memory, I think he might have been nursing a knee into the finals. So, you know, it could be the reason why there. But we know how good Dunkley can be. Um, not a starting pick for me, though. Like, he's got a bar in round two and round 12. I think you target him post-buy and you, you've got like, 10 weeks of data there. Next one, Zachy Butters. Now, he is a popular pick, Pato. 34% of teams have Zach Butters in, in their side. 113.8 average uh, and obviously takes on West Coast in round one. So everyone's trying to do the cheeky-cheeky for round one. What are your thoughts on Butters? Because I actually don't think he performed to the level that he he could. And that says something because he, was, he actually had a really fucking good year. But I found his year to be quite inconsistent and he still averaged 113.8. So he could push the 120s easy. Yeah, I agree. Um, You look at his last six weeks last year, um, 101, 134, 137, 139, 129 and 158. So I feel like he can get to those numbers um, more consistently. Um, He's he's really getting into that age as well um, where like hitting his prime, he's 23, he'll turn 24 in September, played 93 games. Like he ticks all the boxes to be like, you could argue breakout. Like he probably had his breakout last year. Um, Mm. Coming into his sixth year in the system, I feel like he's ready to take another step again um, and could even push for a brown low this year. That's how big of a year I think Butters can have. Um, And I think we'll see a lot more of that sort of end of year scoring that we saw last year where he can push a 120 average. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not starting him myself at the moment, but he's the idea of him in my team has been floated around a fair bit. So because the next bloke, the next bloke down, actually the next two blokes down are kind of like, oh, fuck, you could go either one of them. So after Zachy Butters, we've got LDU, Luke Davies Uniac, and then Errol Goulden as well. Now, Luke Davies Uniac in 16% of teams, like looks tremendous in that, realistically really young and depleted North Melbourne uh, midfield. He's the the guy. He is the guy. And his finish last year was pretty good too. And 
I, I can just see him improving on this 113.6 as well. It's the changing of the guard this year, Pato. I swear to God. Yeah, I'm all over LDU this year. Um, I'm pretty certain I'll be starting him. I'd have to see something pretty bad in preseason, like an injury, to not start him. So he obviously had his long layoff last year. Um, so his first game back from injury in round 16, he went to 94. But from then on, he went 134, 129, 133, 127, 106, and 125. And he missed the last two rounds against Richmond and Gold Coast, and that would have been two more 120-plus games, you'd, you'd, you'd assume. So the only question mark is after a year full of injury is whether he can stay on the park. I feel like 635 is actually, like it sounds expensive, but I feel like that is good value for someone that can pop off to a 120 or 125 average. That's how good LDU can be, um, and and I'm, I'm backing him in. Yeah. Yeah, and he, the next one is Errol Goulden at 622K, 29% ownership, and I reckon that would have gone up today after the Luke Parker news, Pato, with his broken arm. Errol, for more CBAs, you reckon? Uh, I actually don't think so. Um, the, I, I was on Errol Goulden until the buys came out, and he's not playing round five, so he's got an early buy that will really affect your scoring. So... I'm not a fan of Goulden. I I love Goulden on the on the park. I think he's going to be a real star of the game. But I'm going to have a look at him, see what the role looks like, and then possibly look at him after his second buy, um, which is in round twelve. Um, but I think because yeah, that he has two buys in round five and twelve. I don't think you can confidently start him um, unless you want a real POD and you you'd be really aggressive with your trades and sort of trade in and out of buys, but I don't love that just in case we get injuries like last year. So um, I like Gordon. I, I think 622 for a wingman is actually really expensive as well. And I think they've got other guys that will play inside mid instead of Gordon. So not for me. Next two, Caleb Sarong and Tom Green. So both averaged 111.2. Sarong is in 12% of teams. Tom Green is in 24% of teams. Now, with the with the Tom Green thing, I reckon he'll go to another level this year. Again, changing of the guard. But the problem is, like looking at my team right now, I picked the best team that I could possibly pick. And I've got some buyers, early buyers that are going to fuck me over. And Tom Green is one of those early buyers that will fuck people over. So do you think, Pato, that it is like it's – I was thinking about this with the Nick Dacos call the other day. And you're basically taking them on to have one less score during the year. But at the same time, now that I think about it, Dacos and Green can both pump out, let's say, two 160 games and essentially make back 120 points in two games, which could be a 120 score that they could have like had. You know what I mean? Like, they can score that fucking big. So is it worth I do. It? I, I see what you mean. Um, but in those buys, it will be best 18. And I can't... I can't get behind the idea that having Tom Green or someone like that miss, like, uh, is it round six that he misses? Round five, I think it might be. Yeah, whatever it is. Like, that just means there's an extra rookie on field. So if I'm, for example, if I'm picking Sarong over Green, that means I've got Sarong for that round and you might have a rookie instead of, like, your 18th guy. And I, I just think it strengthens too much that it's too too good of an advantage to have those guys that don't miss early rounds. Yep. And, yeah. Round three, so, Tom Green misses. Yeah. Round three, yep. 
And so he yeah. plays North and West yeah. Coast in the first two weeks and then as a buy. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and Sarong doesn't have that early buy either. No, Sarong doesn't, which is why I think Sarong would be a better pick um, to start. Um, but Green will absolutely be a, a trade-in target um, for me after round 12, which is his second buy. Or this next bloke that also is from Fremantle that doesn't have a, that early buy. That's Andy Brayshaw, the forgotten one. So 6% owned, Pado, 109 average. By his standard, to be honest, I, he had a down year and he averaged 109. I'm going to say it. I reckon this year will be the year of Andy Brayshaw. We have to remember that he struggled with a bit of a knee issue uh, in the first half of last year. Um, but post-buy, um, he had one score below 100 um, and really popped off. And I think Brayshaw is really great value at 608000 uh, and room to grow. And another one of those guys that are at that age where um, just ready to take that next step, I feel like. Um, just double-checking how old Brayshaw is. Yeah, 24, played 123 games. So even more ready to really pop off, I think. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like he will have a better year than Sarong super coach scoring-wise. Yeah. And didn't he win an AFLPA MVP? Or AFLCA MVP at one stage, Brayshaw? Not sure. Pretty sure he did. Was that and everyone was like, he's going to be the guy to take over the league, and then he just had that down year. So yeah, uh, I'm all about Andy Brayshaw. Look, yeah, you look at his um, his run of scores after his buy last year, um, and you, you take out that 80 against the Dogs. Um, really, really good scoring there. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on. To Darcy Parrish, the one that I was talking about earlier, that Zachy Merritt's teammate. He's in 3% of teams, 108.1 average. Now, we know Essendon love to hype up their players in preseason, and everyone was like, Darcy Parrish is going to take his game to the next level. Holy shit, Darcy Parrish this, Darcy Parrish that. They go out and play their game against fucking St Kilda and get absolutely annihilated. Shout out to King Supercoach listening to this because he's a Don's fan. <laughs> Had to chuck that one in there. Um, but Parrish was one of the two players that actually looked like a shining light. And I feel like that this could be his year, whether he pushes that 115, I don't know. But I feel like 3% ownership just feels a bit low to me. Yeah, it is low. Um, he has... He, uh, 2021, he averaged 114. 2022, he averaged 111. So is that his ceiling? I, I just, I don't know, because Merritt is really good at footy. <laughs> yep. Parrish is as well, but I just feel like Merritt is the main guy in there and Parrish is kind of the supporting cast. And, yeah, I I, I want to see it first um, and maybe look at him post-buy. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll move on. we got... Two very similar pro, 5K between them. So Connor Rosie at 601K uh, in 7% of teams. And then Timmy Taranto at 596K in 2% of teams. Um, both played all their matches last year. Um, solid. And I think it's, again, those guys where they've lost forward status. I know Butters lost forward status as well, but like these two have lost forward status and people are kind of just forgetting about them. But then again... Would you start them, Pato? Uh, Rosie, probably not. Um, and I, I've i toyed with starting Taranto, but it feels like Dusty's going to be the main guy in the midfield again. So I, I don't think either of these is for me. Yep. Uh, I'm avoiding both myself. 
Um, can I just say, Sam Walsh, 576K, who, with his injury injured injury interrupted preseason, is still in 16% of teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the back issues is enough for me to be like, no. Oh, he was in my team all preseason until the back issues came back again. I was yep. like, fuck. Same. Same, yeah. Yeah. Um, move on. So we've got two... Actually, well, actually, I'll chuck that guy in the breakout contenders. We've got two fallen primos, Paddy. So the first one being Tuke Miller, Miller uh, 545.5K, um, only averaged 97.6. He's in 20% of teams, currently in my team. He looks fit as a fiddle, looks like that he can just run all day again and not going to be used as a fucking tagger. Hey. <laughs> um so I feel like we're going to get took a bold back again uh, and presents great value for me. Um, even with that buy, that early buy, I, I reckon he's just too good a value not to pick. What are your thoughts? I feel like you can only start one of the fallen primo price guys. And I'm talking Miller, Crouch and uh, Jack Steele. And I prefer Jack Steele of the three of them. Funny thing is, I'm starting two of them. I feel yeah, like... I mean, the, the advantage is we're going to get to see Took in round zero before um, before his buy. So, uh, sorry, before we have to finalise our teams. So, yeah, if he pops a 130 against the Tigers in round zero, um, people are probably going to start him. Yeah, yeah. See, I reckon that you can start both, and that's because I'm starting both at the moment. My midfield is fallen primo mania with one breakout contender, Pato. Um Jack Steele, 529.5K, 14% owned and 94.8 average. He looked to me to be leaner, like more sh- shredded than normal, a little bit less muscle mass. Maybe it's to, I don't know, something to do with running out games. I don't fucking know. Um, but he looked good in that pracky game. So... I feel like we might be getting Jack Steele of old back. Probably not like 120 average or anything like that, but maybe a 110. And that's okay for 529K in my opinion, Pato. Yeah, see, me from last year um, is hating me from this year right now because he fucked me so bad last year. Um, But I'm getting sucked in and I think he's too cheap to ignore. And barring an injury setback, he will be in my starting squad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind it at all, and I'm picking him, so that's why I don't mind it. <laughs> so we go on to some breakout contenders. You've actually missed one, in my opinion, Pato. Yeah. And I'm going to pair him up with his teammate. So you've got Noah Anderson written down here, but I want to uh, chuck in Matty Rowell as well, and we're going to have yeah. the same fucking discussion as last year, which one's going <laughs> to average more. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to say um, Noah Anderson to average more, but something tells me... Matty Real now might be that guy. He might be that guy. I I don't know. I want to see it first. He's another one that we'll get a look at before we have to lock in teams. So things can change. I just I feel like Noah Anderson's the one that kicks goals. He is that outside runner and gets on a lot, a lot of one twos with his midfielders and provides that running carry. So I feel like Anderson is the one for me. Um, we've sort of been. Th- teased by Matt Rao for a while now um, and has never really shown that he's a legit option. And I think 571K is just too much to spend on someone that probably has too many question marks for me. Um, 
especially when you can get a Tuuk Miller for 35K less, who I think is a bit more reliable, 25K, whatever it is. Interesting. Um, and then obviously you've got um, Jack Steele as well, um, a lot cheaper, and even Matt Crouch. Um, yeah. So I'm just having a look at something right now, live podcasting, you know what. So let's see, Matty Rowell had 12 100-plus scores last season. Both players played the same number of games. And they both scored over 100 12 times. The difference being that big 189 that happened against the Demons in round eight for Noah Anderson really pushed him over. And from all accounts, Matty Rowell's worked on his running, been one of the best preseason training runners, apparently. And... Work has worked on his outside game to try and get that inside-outside game happening. Who knows? He could start kicking goals, Pato. But the problem, the problem I have with Raul is you'll see round four he scored a fifty-one, um, round nineteen seventy-five, round twenty-three seventy-eight, like eighty against Adelaide. Um, you, there's too many of those scores that you are pissed off with when you're spending five hundred seventy-five k on a guy. Uh, oh, sorry, five seventy-one k. You're too pissed off with those scores at, at that price range. Round three seventy one, round six eighty nine, round ten seventy three, round eighteen eighty nine, round nineteen seventy six. That's Matty Rowell. Round twenty one eighty two. Oh, not Matty Rowell. That's Noah Anderson. Sorry. So they both do it. It's just that one I, massive game. I don't think either of them are relevant. I reckon one Anderson's of them's going to pop off. Six. One of them will pop off. Just got to figure out who. Anyway, we'll move on to the guy that I've actually got as my M5, Pato, and that's the other shining light of Essendon, and that's Nick Martin. So our, our mate Luke is like, why the fuck do you have Nick Martin? What's happened? And he hasn't been paying attention to preseason. Nick Martin has one of the most delicious roles in Supercoach known to man this season, if it continues. There's a big if, Pato. So he's got that halfback role that Nick Dacos had last year where he can start on halfback and literally roam and do whatever the fuck he wants. And as we know, Pato, Nick Martin is fucking good at footy and not playing on a wing, but actually being able to go wherever the fuck he wants. The dude reads the play so well after seeing him live and seeing him read the play so well, I was just like, holy shit, this dude knows what's up. And I feel like this is his year, but it all depends on if he keeps this role. And at the moment, it looks like he will. What are your thoughts? My my problem is, and I think I mentioned this on our last episode as well, there's only so many halfback slots you can have. And in a team that has Andy McGrath, Dyson Heppel, Jade Gresham they picked up, um, they've got... Um, Gresham plays forward, though. Well, he's played back before. They've got Jordan Ridley, um, Nick Hind... Sam Durham, like there's a lot of these types, and I just I don't, I don't I can't trust it. I don't think. Um, in saying that, he's currently in my team just as I was playing <laughs> the structures, but I don't know if I love it. Yeah, look at the moment, I'm liking it, and we'll know a bit more in this next practice game, the actual official preseason game. Um, yeah, if he goes out there. If he goes out there, Essendon play way better than whatever the fuck they put out against St Kilda, and they go out and he has that same role, lock him the fuck in, in my opinion. He's under 500K, just under 500K, like, holy shit. Actually, someone in a similar boat that's much older, though, Pato, is Carl Lamont. Much, much uh, older. 
much, much. He's 28. Yeah, I think he is. Um, and reprising that role that he had off halfback flank last year um, in the last, I think it was four or five games, where he averaged a nice 100-plus average. So there's another one. And with Nick Martin and Calamon, you're kind of hoping that they get that DPP status in defense and just slot him in there. Um, I like Martin more than Amon, though, personally. See, I think I prefer Carl Amon. Ooh, okay. I think. I just think the role is a lot more secure at Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. He says that he tinkers with his team one last time for structure. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it, aren't you? No. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll move on to... It's fucking, It's the year of the guys that where you went one year too early, I reckon, Pato. Like, we've got Tanner Brune here. <laughs> Mid-price madness. Again, that preseason slutty tease where he's gone out there and he, like, Cam Guthrie went down injured within seven seconds of play. <laughs> Pinged his hammy, gone, bye-bye. And all of a sudden... Tanner Bruins just getting all the CBAs. He, he looked clear BOG. Like, is it the year of Tanner or is he just another Heredia Lumumba Award recipient? I mean, Tanner Bruin is going into his fourth year and that is a bit of a yardstick of, like, breakout contending. Um, I'm not sure whether he can break out high enough to be a keeper and that's where it's really difficult because if I look up how much Tanner is... Um, he is 384k, which is a really shit price. Mm. But you would select him thinking that he's going to play midfield. And with Guthrie going down, I think they said it was a groin, not a hammy, but same sort of shit with, with Guth. Yeah, yeah. Um, you put him in there with, with Dangerfield and maybe a Jai Clark. That's a really exciting midfield group for Supercoach. Um, because you could possibly have Bruin and Jai Clark. And we're going to talk about Jai Clark soon so we'll we'll leave some of that for that but yeah it's all depending on whether he can get that midfield spot we know Tanner Bruin was at a highly rated uh inside mid coming out of high school and and in his draft year so I think it's one to keep an eye on yeah another inside mid highly ra- uh, rated is George Wardlaw North Melbourne and look the roles there for him Clarko seems to love him. Everyone fucking seems to love him with his black boots. Old school. No fuss fucking midfielder. Just gets the job done, Pato. And, again, he's an awkward price. I kind of wish they didn't play him last year, but they, they kind of had to. Um, yeah. He, I, I'm not going to start him because I think it'll be a year or two too early. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think he's got too much to work on fitness-wise to be an option this year. Um, very talented, uh, but he struggled closing out games last year and he also had injury issues. So, yeah, not not for me, but it wouldn't shock me if he does get to a sort of 90-95 average this year. So we'll look at some uh, mid-prices now, Pato. And the first one, we've already mentioned him from the Adelaide Crows, or the Crom, as some people like to say, uh, is Matty Crouch. Now, Dude is at a delectable price, um, sub 500K. And we know his previous history, he can fucking score in Supercoach. The only problem is his role. And as you said, he only came in, what, round 19 last year? So what are, what are your thoughts on Muddy Crouch? Because I feel like that he's back 
in the good books. Um, just not entirely sure how good. See, I didn't want to add him in, but there's too many people talking about him that we need to address the situation, address the little cat in, cat in the room, elf in the room. So he had one sub appearance last year against the Cats for a 35, um, then came back 11 weeks later, played around 19 onwards. He had three good scores, but he had three shit scores as well. So he had 86, 144, 112, 122, 86, and 98 to round out the year. That doesn't excite me. Yeah. Like, I can't see the ceiling because Laird and Dawson are better footy players and Crouch will be inconsistent. He's He's got a history of being inconsistent his whole career. I I can't I can't see it. I don't get it. Um, I don't have to get it. He's handball happy. Um, rarely finds a target. Chucks the, the ball on his foot. Low percentages. Like, this is, this is a, a DT and, and fantasy play for me, not for Supercoach. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. We've got Ollie Wines next, Pato. Now, now as, this one, this is there. As our listeners from last season would know, I started tracking Ollie Wines hard last year. Um, in particular, his time on ground percentage and his CBAs. Now, he his time on ground percentage, I think the most it ever got to was 70-something percent because, um, yeah, he... He wasn't fully fit, all that jazz. Um, it was pushed out onto a wing at times, Pato. Like, Ken Hinckley's come out, and I, I can't really say in Ken we trust because who the fuck trusts Ken Hinckley? Um, he went out and said, Ollie Wines is back in the guts. He's back doing the dirty work. Now, preseason watch is a definite one for him, but I was I was thinking about it the other day. And even when Ollie Wines was basically Brownlow medal Ollie Wines, when he was actually Supercoach relevant for, what, one season, um, he actually wasn't still super impressive. Like, And I, I guess that you're picking it. Like, his, his best was 112.5, his best ever. Season before, 104.3. Season after, 105.5, before having that down year last year with the 83. So... It doesn't scream huge to me. I, I like the fact he's got his old rollback. But then you look at that year, and this is where you started to talk about the frustrating scores. That year where he went absolutely bananas, it was from round 16 onwards, um, he still had scores of 84, 81, 70, 85. Like, they, they'd frustrate the fuck out of me. But then again, if you look at that output from, let's say, Round nine onwards of that season that he had, where in 2021, you'd be like, holy fuck, yeah, I'd take that. So I'm a kind of two minds about him. Yeah, I, I think to start with, uh, he was certainly nursing something last year, and that, that would have been the reason why he wasn't playing midfield. I also, and, and we've talked about this, I don't see how that midfield group takes shape because Rosie and Butters are certainly in that midfield group. And apparently Wines is as well. So where does that leave Willem Drew? Where and, does that leave? Sorry. And and the guy that you picked last year is Juan Francis. Is, yep, he's killing it in there at the moment in this preseason. Yep, and he's the sort of next guy up in terms of that young brigade at, at Port Adelaide. Um, and you've got a Josh Sin who hasn't played yet, and he's ready to come in. 
Um, even a Quinton Narkle who has had a little bits and pieces, but um, he's thereabouts as well. Like I, I want to see it first. Um, I don't know off the top of my head whether they are playing in round zero, um, but they I want to see it before committing. They're not. They, okay, so no. it makes it tricky. And no try before you buy in this case, Pato. Yeah, so it's really hard. I don't see a world. So we, we grouped those three guys together before, um, Jack Steele, Tuke Miller, and who was the other one? I can't remember. I think you said Matt Crouch. And Matt Crouch. I feel like Wines should almost be put in that group as well. I don't think you can start two of them, that group. I think you can start two of them, but it's going to be two can fucking steal. Yeah. I mean, they're the two that I would start if I was starting two, but I I don't know whether Wines is worth the risk. Even, as you said, as even at his peak, which was Brownlow year, um, he didn't set the world on fire. He had really good runs, um, but I, I think there's too many question marks here to be confident about early ones. One thing I am confident on is putting a line through Cam Guthrie, Pato. Yeah, I mean... Don't. Not to start. (laughs) Not to start because, um, obviously, the injury, but he's a really good price. I know, but we're talking about starting players here, Pato. That's all we're discussing is starting teams. Look at him later Uh, on, but not now. Yep, let's move on. Now, here's a bloke that I was critical on in his practice game, and it's Thompson Dow. So for Richmond, dude was getting racking up the pill left, right, and center, Pato, but there was one thing that I noticed heavily, and that was every time he got the ball, he'd put it up so high, whether it was a handball or a kick, I call it lollipopping. Back in the day, that's what we called it. I don't know why I said back in the day. I'm only 31. And um, he, he'd, like, handball up so high that it would allow the Melbourne players to close down the space on the person that he was passing it to. And yeah, he'd get an effective disposal on the stat sheet. But then when you actually look at it closely, he fucked it up for his teammate and he did it so often. And I'm like, if you can just lower your eyes, lower that ball a couple of meters, you would not allow that to happen. And then you'd have Adam Uze going, fuck yeah, he's ready. Now I'm not so sure because I didn't have Dusty playing. I had someone else out too, Pat. I can't remember who it is. Prestia. There you go. Dusty and Presti are both out. And I'm like, I, I can't see Thompson Dow taking any minutes away from those boys after that display. He needs to come out in this practice game, lower his eyes, keep the footy down, and then I reckon he will get those minutes. But right now it's a no from me. I need to see him lower the ball. See, I, I like the Thompson Dow pick. I, th- I think the midfield minutes are going to be there. Um, he's been playing his trade in VFL level for four years now, former first-round pick in 2019. Uh, coming into – so he turns 23 in October. Only played the 17 games, so that's where that AFL experience isn't quite there. But that's because he can't really play anywhere else but the midfield. So if he plays round one, and we're going to get a look at Thompson Dow in round zero, so that is really positive. Um, but I, I look last year, he, he played the last three weeks once the season was done with and actually did okay. So he scored a 79 in round 22. Um, he went 59 and 68. And that's that's okay for someone his price. Um, and I think there's room for growth there as well, especially if he's playing in a midfield with Dusty, with Taranto, um, with Hopper. Like we forget about Hopper, but he's around there as well. Um, he just needs the midfield minutes, and then I, I feel like he will really reward people that take the fly on him. 
Uh, you also have to think, like, you've got Shea Bolton who will play midfield time as well. Um, even a Liam Baker, like, there's a lot of guys to rotate through there and does Thompson down oh. make that rotation? Who knows? They didn't have Taranto as well. Yeah, no, he didn't play that game. Yeah, so it was literally just Hopper and Dow. So, fuck, yeah. And Jack, Jack Graham rotated through there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's a no from me for now, Pato. You're saying yeah? I'm not saying yeah. I'm saying we'll get a look at him, um, obviously against the Pies in the practice game and then as well in round zero. We'll get a look at him before we have to lock in. So, yeah. Like so- with a lot of players, if, if he scores 100 in round zero, people are going to start him. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. 100%. 100% they will. Um, Zach Jones. You put him down, Pato. I'm not about it at all. Um, I think there's money better, spell, better spent elsewhere. But why have you put down Zach Jones on this list? I put him down because people aren't talking about him. He's 249K. Um, coming off a long-term injury, obviously, which isn't great clearly, um, but someone that has history of 92, uh, he's, he had two years in a row where he averaged 92. So if he gets midfield minutes, and, and I feel like the Saints are kind of looking for that midfielder to help Steele in there um, and Brad Crouch, if he can be in that group, I can see a world where he can get sort of 80 to 90 average and make bulk coin, and he's about to turn 29. So he's experienced, um, got a pretty good ruckman tapping it down to him as well, Um I don't hate the Zach Jones pick. He's proven. Yeah, I'm trying to actually find any articles talking about him, and the only ones I can find um, are locking him in for 2024 and then his injury. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't heard people talking about him at all. Um, I mean, he's one good preseason game away from everyone talking about him and locking him in and tinkering with their team again. So I guess we'll see what happens in, in the Saints practice game. I don't even know if he played against the Bombers. Um couldn't tell you. I've been very off the radar with footy stuff lately. Um, I can quickly tell you if he did play against the Bonhamers. Let's have a quick squeeze. <laughs> live podcasting. Everyone loves a good live podcast. Um, fuck, there's not even an article on it anymore. That's great. Um, anyway. <laughs> have you seen the, before we move on to the rookies, have you seen the... Um, the team named for Richmond Collingwood? Uh, I saw the article and I said I'd read it later. <laughs> yeah, okay. Dion Presti is back in. Oh, that's surprising. As well as Tim Taranto. Well, they play tomorrow night. That's fucking random. Tuesday yeah, night. It all, it all, yeah, it all starts from Tuesday night onwards, Paddo. So, yeah, these games, crucial. Um, so I'm getting a bit of feedback there um, on the mic. Not fun. We'll go to rookies now, Pato. And we're going to start with the main one that everyone's starting, but I am going to fade the fuck out of him, Pato. That's Harley Reid. I was actually thinking that today as well. I heard that he was terrible in their preseason game over the weekend, and he's at a shit price. And there's a lot of pressure on him out West. And there, I, I heard something that there's been 30 articles on him on the back page of the West Australian since he's been drafted. So that's a lot of pressure on a young guy and he's expensive. And you, you put him down to a 120-odd K rookie and there's 80, 80 or 90 K to, to spend elsewhere. Now, this is the thing that I I was saying. One, he's not AFL fit. And I said that in the preseason 
people are like, nah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Mate, They he was pulling up cramping and sore in match simulation. So I'm like, okay, dude's not going to be able to run out a full game. Sweet. Maybe he's got enough impact in him to get a decent score before they sub him out. But then, uh, what the fuck's his name? Um, Simpson. Adam Simpson came out and said, we are going to be resting these guys when we can. In particular, Harley Reid. They're not going to play him if he's not up to it. They're going to take a cautious approach, but still blood the young ones. I'm like, okay, there we go. Statement from the coach. Not super promising. They're going to, let's say, plays round one and two, gets rested round three, four, gets rested round five. Not promising for me. And then he goes out, and this is the power of the media. It's fucking hilarious. He goes out, tries to fend off Andy Brayshaw, gets pinged. Okay, you're not playing against boys anymore. But, like, didn't let that slide. Tried it, didn't work. Dude then collapses to the ground. Everyone's like, fuck, he's done an ACL. Nah, man, he's just cramping. He then tries to go and do something else straight after cramping. Man, man is not AFL ready. He's not AFL. Sorry, he's not AFL fit. He's he might be AFL ready, but he's not AFL fit. And I'm thinking of absolutely fading the shit out of him because I'd rather spend the money on someone else that I know is fit. Um, heck, even if they pump out sixties, I'd rather that honestly. That's cheaper and pump out sixties than pick Harley Reid right now. And look, he might go out and fucking bump out a one fifteen or some shit. Yeah, egg on my face, but then it gets rested the next week, and then it's pretty much just a what a 55.5 score, realistically. Right. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at with Harley Reid. Yeah, that's where I'm sitting as well. Um, we also saw it with Jinby last year. Like, his, his midfield minutes were really, really hampered. Like, he'd play random games inside, but then play outside and got rested a couple of times. Like, yeah, we, we saw it. We saw it last year, and they're going to do the same thing this year, I think. And the other thing is he was like sliding into the half-back role as well, which is a delicious fucking super coach role these days, fucking didn't look like he knew what was going on. Like, anyway, that's where I'm at with him. Um, we'll, we'll move on. This guy is a lock in everyone's team, and that's Colby McKercher. Dude has that half-back role, actually looks like he knows what he's doing. He's, it's interesting, the, the coaching dynamic at North Melbourne said, look, we've got Sheasel, Fisher, and Colby all playing in that halfback role, driving it out of defense. And what they said, and this is what got me, was they have Sheasel to slow down the tempo. But then they got Colby if when they want to slingshot it up quick. And I'm like, holy fuck, I thought Sheasel was quick. Then you actually watch Colby and you're like, that man will try and hit some dude, lace out 45 meters away with a bullet pass, and he can do it. So, yeah, he's my lock and everyone else is locked. Pato, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, 100% locked in. Um, we won't make the same mistake as last year of some people that didn't start Sheasel. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, you got Jai Cully here. I'm not really going to talk about him because you put him in there. Yeah, I, I feel like people are kind of sleeping on on him. He's a, he's a, he's a midfielder. He's um, a bit of a more mature body. Um and he's 21 years old. He's only played the nine games, um, obviously a mid-season pick a year and a half ago. Only played the five games last year, um, including the injured game in round eight where he was subbed off for a five. I just think it's a watch this space sort of thing with Cully. Um, and if you can get those midfield minutes, I think they're screaming out for those mature bodies. And and Cully is one of those. And Elliot Yo is bound to go down if he's playing in the midfield and, 
they've got Tim Kelly, and that's about it. Like, yeah, just just watch this space with him. Now, I'm going to go slightly off track, but on track still with this run sheet, Pato. I'm going to read this out to you. This is what the um, one of the draft um, the scouts said about this next guy. A picture of consistency over the last two years. He is a high accumulating, no fuss midfielder with clean hands and a high footy IQ. That is Riley Sanders. And honestly, on the weekend, oh, the, the Pracky game had just gone. Like, dude was almost BOG, if not BOG. And I feel like that they've already found the Bazlenka replacement. Honestly. Yeah, yeah you, have, you have skipped one there, Dana. I'm hoping you'll loop back to him. But you yeah, want to know Riley why I Sanders. skipped him? You want to know why I skipped him? Because I was going to prepare him up with his teammate. All right. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Sanders should be a lock in everyone's team. He's in my team. Um, it'd be pretty fucking weird if he played midfield over Jack McRae, but it's Bevo, so he probably will. <laughs> you never know with Bevo. Anyway, I did say I was going slightly off track, but still on track, Pato, and this is why. So the next two are both Hawthorne players. One's Nick Watson and the other one is Huss White. Now, one of them's just randomly burst onto the scene this preseason. Even though he, he did play last year, what, one game? Hustwaite? Hustwaite? Well, didn't – was he drafted this year or was he last year? Pretty sure that oh, no, was no, no, no. Hustwaite did play two games last year, average of 66. Oh, true. So, yeah, very similarly priced. Um, Watson, obviously, a new draftee. Hustwaite has a, at least a preseason extra under his belt and a couple of AFL games, which – at 180-odd K, averaging two games of 66, not bad. So Actually, two, two pre-seasons because he was drafted in 2022. There you go. So, yeah, anyway, um, that's why I said one extra preseason. Yep. We're on fire. Uh, so, anyway, Hussey goes out, plays an absolute beast role in his practice game. You're like, oh, hello, mate. And Watson, I'm actually not about because he is going to be playing that forward role. Whereas Husswaite could take that midfield role with both hands. So of the two of them, I'd take Husswaite. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Nick Watson. Um, I, I know he's a number five draft pick, so he's obviously pretty decent at footy. Um, he's only very small, though, 177 metres, 68 kilos. That's that's according to Footy Wire. Um, apparently not allowed to list weights anymore, so that might be just oh. a guess, but that might be his uh, Eastern Rangers weight. Who knows? But... I yeah, it's expensive if he's going to play a small forward role. Um, but yeah, wait, he's on the watch list. Has to wait and see. <laughs> yes, I have no children. Um, <laughs> Caleb Windsor is our next one again, mid forward. Um, so we can do him in the forward line podcast. He impressed me. He actually impressed me. Um. Although he is a wingman, Pato, but the dude looked good. He looked like he knew what he was doing, could read the game well, and I am willing to pay 180-odd K for him. And he looks fit. He looks fit enough to play an AFL game, if not several. So didn't didn't someone from Melbourne come out and say that Windsor's the one that's really surprised in preseason and looking for round one and sort of mentioned Supercoach specifically? Did I imagine that or...? No, that happened, but it wasn't surprised everyone. They just said he's a jet. He was drafted higher yep. for a reason, and yep. he was killing it in their pracky game. So, yeah, he he good. He good at footy. 
Mind to watch this week. In my team already. Um, Jack Bytel got picked up by Collingwood, Paddo. Yes. Yes. Don't, the man don't, I held all fucking last year. Don't think he's going to get a game anytime soon, though. So I think they've actually been playing him in defence, which is weird because he's an inside mid. But um, I yeah, one to keep an eye on. I like his teammate better. Charlie Dean. No. Sullivan. I like Sullivan a lot better. He was very, very solid with the minutes that he was given um, in that Pracky game. And it won't surprise me if he's very, very solid in this preseason game coming up. And he's bargain-based on Bryce Sullivan. He's named as an emergency, so he's probably not there yet. Bugger. Is Bytel in there? No. Well, fuck me, Dad. I guess who's going to have to change his team around? Worth noting that on, on the interchange bench is Finlay McRae, who we'll talk about in our forwards episode, and Charlie Dean, who we've spoken about in our last episode in the Defenders. So they are thereabouts. Same with Harvey Harrison, even though he played some games last year, is probably not super coach relevant at all, but just, just those guys that are thereabouts and, and possibly in the team, but pretty tough team to crack into. Yeah, bloody hell. That's that's actually really annoying. I was banking on Lockie Sullivan. Bugger. Do you reckon they're going to keep trying with Bo McCreary in the middle? Uh, hopefully it's Finlay McRae. Yeah, true that. Yeah, oh, that's disappointing news. Anyway, we'll go to Jeremy Sharp. <laughs> Fremantle. Um, I think I think this guy is going to be one of the locks um, in the in the midfield rookie position, Pato. Coming from the Gold Coast Suns, um, previous AFL experience, I think he's he's got one of those wings locked down. And 123K, he's, yeah, too good to ignore. Yeah, he got fucked around a bit last year with being the sub and stuff for the Suns. Uh, sorry, in 2022. Um, didn't play at all last year. If you go back to 2021 when he started playing some, some backline, he actually... Had a 96 and a 115 in that role, um, getting 30 touches. So um, he's probably going to play wing, not half back, but he has shown that he can find the footy at AFL level, and those wings are really big, so there's lots of room to move out there in, in <laughs> WA. So um, worth noting he's from East Fremantle as well, so he's from, he's a Western, Western Australian boy. Anyway, so I, I think, yeah, as long as he's obviously named round one, he is a lock. Yep. Jai Clark, another one for Geelong. The forgotten bloke, well, not obviously not forgotten anymore, but high draft pick, injury-affected uh, year last year, um, comes in preseason, looks decent. So, again, he's actually discounted Pato because I'm pretty sure he was 170-odd K in his draft year. He's down to 123K for not playing, so don't mind it. He actually played one one game last year as a sub for a thirteen. Beautiful, thank you for that. And and had five tackles in that game. Appreciate playing him as sub for one game. I can get around that. Not like fucking Wardlaw. They should have played Wardlaw sub every game to make him discounted. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we got Josh Sin at the end. Um, again, another discounted youngster. Um, high draft pick. Uh, just. Yeah, applying his trade in the sand for last year. Um, and he looks... Some of these guys, people think that they're busts because they don't play straight away. Like, he did play a bit in his first year. But 
sometimes they just need to mature at state league level and then come back, like Thompson Dow, prime example. So I feel like Sin could be one of those guys where he just needed time to mature. Um, but again, it's more of a also watch and see. Yep, hundred percent. Twenty one years old now was a was pick twelve in the twenty twenty one national draft. So um three three games where he was subbed off last year for a twenty twenty one and twenty four. So certainly not set the world on fire at AFL level. Did pretty well at Sandful level though. And yeah, if he gets opportunity, um I think yeah, I think we almost have to start him just because he's one twenty three K. I don't know what happened there with the microphone, Pato. It kind of sounded like you were yawning but leaning into the mic. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Interesting. Oh, anyway, um, that's all that we've got for the midfielders uh, this week, Pato. So do you want to tell everyone your ex formerly known as Twitter handle? Yes, it's at P-A-T-T-O-S-Triple-C. And mine is at D-A-N-E-O-S-Triple-C. Want anything to add further? Hello. No, no, no. Just stop tinkering with your team every news you get. Um, You drive yourself crazy and then it just opens yourself up to be like, oh, fuck, that guy was in my team for five minutes and then I changed him for someone else. Like, don't do that to yourself. Like, you've made your team. Sit on it. Look at all the games from from this week um, and look at it next week. Look at it next Monday after you've seen some data. Don't just constantly change your team because it'll drive you mad. Unless you have Sullivan like me. Then change it. <laughs> um, so from us at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I'm Dano. And I'm Pato. And this is us signing. The fuck off. 40 years back.